Welcome to the God Solution Show, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm so excited that you're tuned back in this morning. Well, last week we talked about Lily Garcia's tragic death. We talked about the moral argument for God's existence and the reality that if we call anything bad, if we call anything wrong, if we call anything evil, and of course that story warranted all three descriptions, if we can say anything is wrong or evil, we have to agree that there is a standard greater than ourselves by which that's measured, and that points directly at God. So that was the moral argument for God's existence. We also talked last week about the problem of pain, suffering, and evil, and how in Christ we have answers for all those questions. God is good. God is all-powerful. He works in the middle of our suffering for a higher purpose. He creates good even in the worst of situations. He gives us freedom to do what we want. Human beings oftentimes use that for sin and for very bad things and hurt each other. God allows us to do that because he's not hijacking us. He allows us to love him freely or to choose not to. But even when we do choose not to, he can work it around for good and we can have hope in the worst of situations. I hope you got all that out of last week's show. Of course, we impacted it a lot more. And just as a side note, I talked about the emotional side of that question. I said, if you're going through pain, God has hope for you right now. So I hope as you're listening, you know that these aren't just trite answers. These are real answers that we can really stand strong on and have confidence in. If you missed last week's show, you can go to godsolutionshow.com. Since last week, I spent a lot of time on campus talking with college students. That's kind of my full-time job, talking with college students about Jesus on campus helping those that don't yet know Christ come to faith in Christ, and helping those that do know Christ walk stronger with him and share him with others. So I spent lots of time on the college campus since last week, and I heard many times over and over that people did not believe in God because of exactly what we talked about last week, the problem of pain and suffering. I had numerous people say things like, if God does exist, he's sleeping on the job. Well, Those are the questions that people ask in the middle of tragedy. They're the questions that people are asking right here in Albuquerque with some of the tragedies that that we are experiencing as a city right now. I pray that you'd be praying for the police officers of this town as they mourn the loss of one of their own and pray for that family as they deal with this loss. But as we think about these tragedies, these questions are on all our minds, and that's why I wanted to discuss it last week. Well, before getting into more interviews or more hard apologetics, I wanted to take a break this week, especially after everything I heard last week, and I thought, I really want to spend a few minutes and help you learn how to answer those questions when they come up. So a lot of times we talk about the answers and the evidence, but I haven't spent all that much time equipping you to share your faith or giving you ideas for how you could have those apologetical conversations with those in your sphere of influence. That might be people at work. That might be people in your neighborhood. That might include friends and relatives. Whoever it is, I want you to be able to walk away from this show equipped to share the hope that you have in Jesus Christ with those around you. Part of that involves sharing the answers. So this show really focuses on the evidence and the answers. And I hope that We give you the evidence you need to answer your own doubts, but more than that, I hope we give you the evidence you need to answer the questions of people that are genuinely searching that you run into on a daily basis. 
with that second part in mind, I wanted to take today's show and give you a little bit of a jump start on how to have those conversations with your friends. So I would encourage you right now, before I get into anything anymore, go get a pen and paper if you can. If you're driving, I'm sorry, you can go to godsolutionshow.com and get the MP3 later and come back to some of these notes. But I wanted to equip you with a strategy for how you could go about having these conversations. I think this is important. So the evidence is important, but even more so, how can you approach life intentionally seeking to engage people that you meet and relate to on a regular basis in these conversations about the gospel and how to use this evidence that you're learning to help defend your faith and help others come to faith in Jesus Christ. I've heard people often say, if somebody can be talked into faith, they can be talked out of it. That's nonsense. There are countless people that genuinely want answers to their genuine questions. All through Scripture, we hear of different people convincing others. In fact, Scripture says Paul did that. He would reason with them. He would convince them from the Scriptures about Jesus. God himself says, come and reason with me, right? We as human beings have been given a gift of a mind, and God intends us to use it to engage with him and to come to know him. In fact, faith begins first with coming into contact with certain knowledge, then becoming convinced of it. So the idea that somebody doesn't really need evidence because they could just get talked out of it later, that's not true. In fact, most of your schooling you still believe, indicating that the evidence you were taught in school stuck with you. You weren't talked out of it. So I want to help you today learn how you could share the evidence that you're learning on this show with friends and people in your sphere of influence that desperately need Jesus. Yesterday I had the opportunity to talk for a few hours with a young man that is genuinely searching, and it was such a pleasure to talk through some of these answers with him and to realize there are so many people out there that genuinely want to hear about Christ. Now, I hope you're thinking of a few right now. As you think about those people, I hope that you'd pray for them because that's where it really starts. But once you're praying for those people, I would encourage you to take the initiative and here are some ways that you could do that. Before we go any further, I wanted to give you a little bit of basic evangelism training. And we'll zip through this, but I think it's important for all Christians to be sharing their faith. Now, there's a lie that a lot of Christians believe, and that's that I don't have to share my faith if I don't have the gift of evangelism. Well, we would never say that about encouragement. Could you imagine how silly that would sound? I don't have to be encouraging to people because I don't have that spiritual gift. Or what about hospitality? I don't have the spiritual gift of hospitality, so I'm not going to be nice to people that visit me in my home. Of course, those things would be absurd. We'd never say anything like that. Well, it's the same with evangelism. Some really do have that gift. The rest of us are called to trust God and by faith share the good news that we have with those around us. Others believe that just means kind of inviting people to church but never engaging those people in conversation. That's equally silly. All through scripture, we see that each of us are called to explain with others the reasons for the hope that we have. That's something that all Christians are called to do. We should invite people to church, absolutely. But we should also be ready to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So here are a few ways to do that. First of all, these three modes come from Keith Davey, who's on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ or Crew. 
He says there are three types of evangelism. There's the natural witness. This is just inviting friends and family to get to know you and to kind of bring up Christ in the process of the relationship. It's natural. It kind of happens. It's at the workplace. It's in your home. It's over the dinner table. That's a great way to share your faith. The next one is the body witness. This is inviting people to Christian events where they will see the body of Christ and they will be drawn to Christ through it. That might be a Christian concert. That might be church. Who knows? Maybe a retreat. But whatever the case, people come, they see the body of Christ, they're drawn to Christ when they see the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control in Christians. Now, the final mode is one that a lot of people find difficult. And don't worry, I find it difficult too. This is the ministry witness. This is where I actually take the initiative to go out and engage people I do not know to share the gospel with them. Now, it is difficult, it is scary, but I would tell you one thing. It's the only example that I see in the New Testament. I don't even see the other two modes in the New Testament. That doesn't mean that they're not for us. That doesn't mean that they're not valid. We should find any way we can to share the gospel. But what it does mean is we should follow the example of every Christian leader in the New Testament who took the initiative to share the gospel with people they didn't know. In fact, that's the only way we're ever going to reach the world for Christ. We don't have enough time or enough dinner opportunities to befriend the entire world before sharing with them. Romans 10 is very clear. People that don't hear the gospel will not be saved. And we can't possibly be okay with waiting till we can befriend everyone first before sharing with them. We should take the initiative. Now, again, all week long I've been doing this on the college campus, and I've had one great conversation after another. These conversations don't have to be weird. They don't have to be bad. They don't have to be awkward. With a little bit of training, you can take the initiative to share your faith, and there can be great, great results that come out of those conversations. So those are the three modes, the natural mode, the body mode, and the ministry mode. And all three are important, and I think the ministry one is particularly relevant because it's the only way we're going to reach the whole world for Jesus, and it gives me a lot of training for the other types of evangelism as well. Now, Keith Davey with Crew also came up with the four sound barriers, and these are important to understand. Each of these is a barrier because it's a time that you must say something, so sound must come out of your mouth. But it's difficult, and it can even be a little bit awkward. That's why it's called a sound barrier. Anyway, the four barriers go like this. Number one is meeting someone and beginning a conversation with them. That can be awkward, especially if you don't know the person. You can get good at learning how to meet people, and you can even use some good tools to help you get past that first barrier. You could go to GodSolutionShow.com for some more ideas on that. But... Right now, we'll just leave it there. The second barrier is transitioning from a normal conversation to a spiritual conversation. The best way to do that is to use a question. And I would encourage you to use a question that comes out of something that you already talk about. If you talk a lot about sports, bring up a Christian athlete and ask the other person what they think about that athlete and start a conversation that could lead back to Christ. If you talk a lot about politics, ask them what they think about the political system, where their hope really lies, what they think the answers to the problems we face are, and then use those conversations to come back to Christ. If you talk a whole lot about the news and current events, maybe use some of the events that we've talked about on the show, like this tragic shooting last week, and bring it back 
to an apologetical or gospel conversation. Anyway, that second barrier is transitioning from a normal conversation to a spiritual conversation. The third is going from that spiritual conversation to the gospel. Again, you can just use questions. And if you're already talking about spiritual topics, it's not all that hard to transition to the gospel. You could say something like, well, I'm a Christian. What's been your experience with Christianity? That simple question opens up an entire conversation about the message of Christianity. I've used that question a million times. I learned it from Russ Akins, my boss, the president of Master Plan Ministries, and it's a question that always brings conversations back to the gospel. All right, the final barrier is bringing someone to a point of decision. Now, we can share the gospel till we're blue in the face, but if we never bring someone to a point of decision, asking them to respond to Christ, we won't get very far. So that's the fourth barrier, bringing someone to a point of decision. So again, the four barriers, just recapping, are one, meeting someone and starting a conversation, two, transitioning to a spiritual conversation, three, transitioning to the gospel, and four, transitioning to a point of decision. And if you're intentional, you can do that with any conversation. So where does apologetics come in? Because as you're having these conversations, you're going to have questions come up that you can answer. That's where this show comes in to play. As you share the gospel, you're going to encounter different objections. I would encourage you to be very cautious and to listen carefully to hear what other people are saying. Listen for their objections. Listening is as much a part of evangelism as talking ever will be. Listen carefully and try to really understand where this other person is coming from. What are their core beliefs? What are their biggest questions? What do they really need answered so that they can come to a point of putting their faith in Jesus Christ? If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution Show. You can find out more about the show at GodSolutionShow.com. Thank you so much for listening. Typically, we are getting deep into apologetics. This week, I'm kind of taking a different angle, and I'm talking about how to engage those you know in apologetical evangelistic conversations. We just went through some basic evangelism training that helps get those conversations started. And I just want to encourage you, there are people all around you that are ready to hear the gospel. The harvest is ripe today, just like it was when Jesus said the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. So I encourage you to take the initiative to share your faith. If you missed the first part of the show and you want to hear some of that basic training, go to GodSolutionShow.com and look for this week's show. All right, so getting to the apologetic side of this conversation. How could you have meaningful conversations about apologetics, about all that you're learning on this show and hopefully in other places too? I would encourage you to be reading a lot of good books on these topics. How can you be sharing that in a kind and intentional way with people that you meet? Because people all around you have genuine questions that they really need answered. Well, here are a few ways to do that. One, as you have these conversations, like I said, be listening to understand where they're coming from. You are going to hear a lot of their questions, a lot of their objections, and a lot of their beliefs as you learn to listen carefully. As you listen carefully, ask God to give you wisdom. He says he will in James 1.5. And then think through questions that you could ask them based on their questions. You can ask questions that help draw them out. 
I remember there was a guy that I was sharing the gospel with about 10 years ago. We met for eight weeks going through the gospel, week after week after week after week. He was a student that I met on the campus. The eighth week, he started talking about some different issues that I felt had no connection whatsoever to what we'd been talking about. I was very confused. I didn't understand what was going on. And as I sat there and kind of prayed in my mind, listening, striving to understand where he was coming from, God showed me what was going on. So I asked this guy, are you trying to tell me da-da-da-da-da? And he said, that's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. Now, this was an objection I'd never heard before, and it wasn't apologetical at all. It had to do with personal relationships. And as I shared a very simple answer to that very simple question, he said, are you kidding me? Of course I want to put my faith in Christ. And right there, he put his faith in Christ. See, if I hadn't been listening, I would have missed what his real objections were. And I might have spent a whole lot of time talking about things that weren't even important to him. I really can't stress this enough. Listen carefully so that you'll best understand where their questions and objections really are. Now, if the person you're talking to has strong beliefs about something, and those are the reason that they're not trusting Christ, I would encourage you to talk through those. And a good way to do that, again, is using questions. Please read Tactics by Greg Kokel. Greg Kokel was on the God Solution Show about a month ago. If you missed that interview, go to GodSolutionShow.com and check out what he had to say. I think we have three parts to that interview online right now. But anyway, pick up his book, Tactics. It is a great strategic way of bringing Christ into your conversations and to drawing people out in an apologetical sense. It's a great book, so please get it. But one principle that's going to come up in that book over and over and over again is to ask people questions based on what they say. And I think specifically to ask how that would apply to itself. Here's an example. I was sharing the gospel once with a guy that said that he had long ago even been in seminary wanting to be a Christian leader. And then it occurred to him that it's wrong to have a firm perspective about anything. So this man told me, I have now decided, and I've spent the last 30 or 40 years believing that it is wrong to have a firm perspective on anything. So I just applied that to itself. One of the tactics of the book, basically. It's kind of the main theme of the book. I said, excuse me, but isn't that a firm perspective about something? The man sat there with his mouth open. He did not know how to respond. He was shocked, and it opened up some honesty. He'd been believing for decades that it was wrong to have a firm perspective on anything, not realizing that that was a very firm perspective on something. So ask somebody how their own worldview applies to itself. Oftentimes, their own worldview will be what philosophers call autophagic. It eats itself up. If somebody says they don't believe in truth, ask them if they believe that's true. If they believe it's true, then it's not true. And if it's not true, it's not true. Whether it's true or not true, it's not true. Does that make sense? It's a self-defeating statement to say that you do not believe in truth. But very simply, when you ask someone if their worldview applies to itself, oftentimes you'll find it doesn't. And it creates a wide open opportunity to share the truth that we have in Jesus. Be gentle when you do this, though. Be sensitive, because a lot of times when people find that their worldview is not coherent, it's kind of a shock to them. 
I talked in the past about bumper sticker worldviews. You can go to GodSolutionShow.com and look for the show titled Bumper Sticker Worldviews. Anyway, a lot of people have those, and they crumble quite quickly with just a few questions. So be gentle and talk to them kindly, but do share the gospel and do pry a little bit. Don't let them continue with something that's hurtful for them and others. All right, so here are a few questions. I hope you have that pen out, and I hope you can write these questions down. Once you're actually having a conversation about the gospel or about spiritual issues, you might ask a few of these questions. I ask these often, and many times they bring up incredible conversations about the gospel. Here's a good question. You could say, what is the main reason that you don't trust Christ? I think a lot of times people just believe that not trusting Christ is a default position, but in reality, they should have a good reason for not trusting Christ. So I would ask someone, what is the main reason that you don't trust Christ? You might find it's not evidence at all. Once there was a young lady that said, I can't trust Christ because of evolution. So my wife and I had her over for dinner. We began talking about the evidence for creation. As we talked with her, it became very apparent that she didn't have a clue about evolution, creation, science, none of that. Shortly thereafter, she began bawling her eyes out. The real reason she hadn't been trusting Christ is she had been abused in her past, and she'd been holding that against God. That night, we talked through that issue. We gently pointed her back to Christ, and she made a decision to put her trust in Christ that night right in our living room. There are many people that as you start asking these questions, I think you'll have similar conversations take place. Okay, another good question you could ask. What objections or arguments against Christianity do you find compelling? You might find that they don't have a single compelling argument against Christianity. Well, that would tell you a whole lot. That this isn't something that they are attacking from an intellectual, atheistic kind of perspective. But rather, it's an emotional decision. I wouldn't point that out. I wouldn't make them feel stupid. But for your own knowledge, it would help you know where you're going with this conversation. Again, be sensitive and gentle and direct them towards Christ. A third question you could ask would be, would you be willing to talk more about those objections and discuss the evidence? So if they do have objections, invite them to continue meeting with you and talking with you to talk through some of those objections. I've done this for years with countless people. Some people have ended up becoming very close friends. Some have become Christians, some have not. The ones that have not, I still continue to have these conversations with to this day. My encouragement to you is to invite them into a conversation that's ongoing with you about their objections. Let them know that you're a friend that will not be offended by anything they say. I often tell people that nothing you could say would offend me. Invite them into this conversation with you about their objections. Okay, another question you could ask would be, what would it take for you to believe? A lot of times I've asked this, and people can't really put their finger on it. And so I really want to help them. I'll say, would the science do it for you? If I could describe to you scientifically that God exists, would you believe? Maybe they'll say yes, maybe no. What about the history? If I could show you the historical reliability of the Gospels. Would that convince you? Maybe not. Maybe it's the evidence for the resurrection. If Jesus really rose again from the dead, would that convince you? Maybe so, maybe not. 
I would ask them, what would it take for you to believe? For one guy that I shared with, it was something that I never would have imagined. He wanted to see a shooting star. I'm not kidding you. We talked through evidence for hours on end, only to find out that when he saw a shooting star, he made a decision to put his trust in Christ. Interesting reasoning, and I don't think I would necessarily encourage that of seekers, but at the same time, be sensitive and ask people, what would it take for you to believe and try to meet them on their level? Don't force them to come up to your level. Okay, a fifth question that you could ask would be this. If you were convinced that Christianity was true, would you want to follow Christ? That is a very revealing question because someone might say, no, it's a hard issue and I'm not interested. Well, you kind of know what you're dealing with and you know how to pray for that person, encourage them if it gets there. But you might find out that you have somebody that's very willing to trust Christ if only somebody will share the evidence with them. And maybe God put you in their path precisely so you could be the one that would share that evidence with them. In fact, I think scripture clearly tells us that. In Acts 17, 26 through 27, it says that God determined the times and the places that each of us lives so that the people around us would be able to find him. Well, that goes for the people around you. God put you there so that those people could find him, and he's chosen to use you. So be ready for these conversations. Be looking for these conversations. Be taking the initiative to engage those you meet in these conversations. I mentioned Matthew 9.37 earlier on the show. In Matthew 9.37, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And there's something very important that I wanted to share concerning that verse as we close out the show. The problem is not with the harvest, but with the workers. The limiting factor here is not the harvest, but the workers. A lot of times as Christians, we look at society and we say, I can't believe how bad it's getting. I can't believe how far we've drifted. I can't believe what we think is okay these days. Well, the problem isn't with them. The problem is with us. The problem isn't with society. The problem is with Christians that hide the light that we've been given from society. Society is getting darker. And it's not because the darkness all of a sudden decided to get more dark. The darkness is always dark. Society is getting darker because Christians aren't sharing the light that we have. Christians aren't shining brightly anymore. My encouragement to you is to realize that the harvest truly is plentiful. There are people all around you that woke up this morning wondering what the meaning of life is. They woke up this morning wondering if there's any hope beyond the grave. They woke up this morning wondering if there are any answers to the questions that they are screaming inside. And you have those answers. I encourage you to share those with the people that you meet each day. Now, as you choose to do that, and I hope you're taking this challenge and saying, I'm going to ask some of these questions and get into some conversations. Ask God to speak through you. Simply say, God, please fill me and empower me by your Holy Spirit to share your good news with those I meet today. And guess what? He will do it. I promise you that if you're willing. All right. Well, I hope you got a lot out of this show, and I hope you're going to take the initiative to share the gospel and to share some of the apologetics you're learning with those around you. If you want to go back and hear this again, take some more notes, you can go to godsolutionshow.com. Again, godsolutionshow.com. Get this MP3, listen to it, share it, and really remember these points for getting into apologetical and evangelistic conversations. Now, as I talk about God Solution Show and the godsolutionshow.com website, 
I would invite you to share the show with friends and help us expand the show so that more people can be learning the evidence that we have for our faith and learning how to share that with people in their spheres of influence. So share the show. Maybe put GodSolutionShow.com on your social media. Maybe share it with friends and help get more listeners to the program. I think it would be a great way for you to help share the gospel with many more people. Also, if you want to expand the show, we're trusting God to expand to a few new stations, and we actually need support to make that happen. You can go to the Partner tab on the GodSolutionShow.com website to help us do just that. Well, it's exciting being here every week with you. I hope you're learning a lot. We're going to be having some great interviews coming up soon. I'm also going to be going into our Best Facts acronym. This is the best apologetical memory tool that you will ever find. If you kind of want a sneak peek, go to thebestfacts.com. You can go to thebestfacts.com. We have an MP3 and a flip book there that you can look at. We even have a downloadable tool that can help you share apologetical information and answers and the gospel with your friends. I'll be talking a little bit more about that and all the different elements of the Best Facts acronym for why we can believe with confidence in Jesus Christ. So anyway, stay tuned. We're going to be having more interviews, more evidence, and a lot of great shows. But most importantly, I encourage you to share the good news that you have in Jesus Christ with those around you this week. Well, as we close out the show, like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Oh God.